Uh, good morning to each one of you. We thank God for a wonderful October morning and wonderful singing this morning. We are grateful to our Heavenly Father and grateful that the Lord has allowed each one of you, each one of us, to be in His house this morning. We are living in a world where there are classifications of news these days. With the coming of Donald Trump to the presidency in America, he coined what we call fake news. It started with him, and now in every country in the world, people are referring to fake news as one of the new classifications of news. Oftentimes, you and me, we may receive maybe a text message from a friend, and they will be communicating probably something tragic which has happened. And in your reply or my reply, I will say, this is really sad news. Which means, we live in a world where there is also sad news. Amongst such classifications of news, it is so wonderful to know that there is a good news which has been there through the ages, through the passing of time, we find that from the time the Lord Jesus came into this world, he introduced the news which has consistently been classified as good news. That is the gospel. And it's always a joy on a Sunday like this that we can come together as the redeemed of God, as the people of God, to come and worship God who is worthy. And as we worship him, to be availed opportunity to listen to the good news. The news alone which is able to transform and change the eternal destiny of individuals. All other news, they just bring division, confusion, and so on. But the news which is focused on the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, changes people's eternal destinies. And it continues to strengthen our trust in him for all those who are God's children. So it's wonderful that we are here together in the house of the Lord, feasting at the table God himself has laid for us. The Lord Jesus Christ in uh, Matthew 4 and verse 4, he made a statement just emphasizing the importance of all of us who are God's children that it should be our abiding desire to always wanting to feast from the word of God. When Jesus said, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, your spiritual sustenance and mind is entirely dependent upon the word of God. And we should make it our resolve as God's children that we will each and every passing day find time to feast from what God has provided for our continuing edification. Let me start by just appreciating our church leadership for allowing me to bring God's word to your hearing this morning. From the passage which has been read to us in Mark 4, verses 35 to 41, we will be focusing this morning consistent with uh, our church theme of Christ-likeness, 
we will be focusing on a faith like Christ or a Christ-like faith, a Christ-like faith. That is what our focus is going to be on. We live in a world where there are diverse careers. And when you consider different careers, you will find that each career has got its own success factors. In other words, if you want to be successful in a career you choose, there are certain attributes which should be true of you. When you consider someone who is a nursery school teacher, you find that they should possess an attribute of patience. It will be needed. When you look at someone who is a very good accountant, they should possess an attribute where they will not go to sleep until the books have balanced. If you are a good nurse, you should possess an attribute of empathy for your patients. It's like you go the extra mile to ensure that uh, your patients are cared for the way you would yourself desire to be cared for. If you are an engineer, you should possess an attribute of thinking outside the box. Engineers have made life so comfortable for us. Telecommunication engineers, They've made mobile phones and so on to make our life easy. Aviation engineers have made life so easy for us that you can move from Africa to Europe within nine hours. Engineers have made life so bearable in many aspects. And to do that, they needed to think outside the box. They needed to think things which were not obtaining at their time to say it can be done. That is one of the, the key attributes an engineer ought to possess. Politicians have got attributes as well. Good politicians, they've got the attributes of painting a good picture of a bad situation. That's what they'll do. For all of us who are Christians, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the most important attributes as far as the teaching of the Bible is concerned, which we should possess in an increasing measure is the attribute of faith. Faith really is the common denominator for all of us who have chosen to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. If we are going to enjoy our Christian experience, we should be standing on the solid rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. The writer to the Hebrews, in the 11th chapter, verse 6, talking about faith, he says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I stop right there. Every one of us who are born again Christians, I'm sure our desire is to please our God. That is what we crave for. And the writer to the Hebrews says, anyone who wants to please God, Without faith, it is impossible to achieve that objective. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he, is, he exists and he rewards those who earnestly or diligently seek him. So in other words, faith is really a big attribute for each and every one of us. From the day we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, faith was at play. 
The Apostle Paul in Romans 10, he says, it's with your heart you believe, and with your mouth you make confession. In other words, our very first step as a believer, as a Christian, it began with faith. Within our heart, we believed the gospel, the good news that Jesus came into this dark and sinful world. He died on the cross. He died for my sin. That's how we took the first step as a believer, as a child of God. It started with faith and it must continue with faith. Up to the time when he will come for his church. It must continue with faith. So faith is really a very critical attribute for you and I to enjoy our Christian journey and for you and I to continually be pleasing our Lord Jesus Christ. The mission of the Lord Jesus Christ when he came into this world was to save fallen humanity. That's what he came for. All of us, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. We were by nature, as Paul writes to the Ephesians, we were by nature objects of wrath. We deserved God's judgment. But because of his mercy, God, who loves us so much, he sent his son Jesus Christ. And when Jesus came, he was on a very specific mission. The mission of bringing redemption to a fallen world, fallen humanity. Now, in achieving that marvelous plan of our salvation, Jesus, during his earthly ministry, he chose 12 men with whom he was going to spend three years teaching them. And one of the key aspects he focused on was the aspect of faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God in whatever thing we do. If the disciples, the apostles, were going to achieve the objective of the Great Commission, pleasing God, they needed to be men of faith. So the Lord Jesus Christ, as he went about with his disciples, he was focusing through various teachings, through various miraculous signs, and wondrous things he did, the common denominator was the building up of the faith of his disciples. Allow me to say just a few words about the disciples whom Jesus had chosen for himself. The more we read the Gospels, we get struck by the fact that disciples were ordinary human beings like you and me. They were ordinary human beings like you and me. They were people who exhibited fear and anxiety oftentimes, like we found out in the passage we have read. Wherever they faced challenging situations, they responded, they reacted exactly the way we do. They were ordinary human beings like you and me. But despite all their human imperfections, Jesus decided to use them for the Great Commission. And that is really amazing. And we heard in the prayer of Elder Lungwewungu this morning, he prayed that none of us deserve to be involved in the things we are involved in. 
We fall short, each one of us. But our God, the pure, the most holy, the perfect and immortal God, he chooses imperfect human beings like you and me to be used for the purpose of his kingdom. One American minister by the name of Louis Farrakhan has made this statement on what I was trying to express. He says, God uses imperfect people to create great change in an imperfect world. You don't have to be perfect for God to use you for a great purpose. You just have to be a willing vessel. And that's what God looks for. You and I, as we desire to be used of God, God is looking for one who is a willing vessel. When God is asking, whom shall I send and who will go for us? You present yourself and say, Lord, you know my weaknesses. You know my imperfections, but I'm willing. I know with your grace it can be done. God is looking for willing vessels. The disciples, they were never perfect human beings. But they were willing to follow the master. They were willing to learn from the master. And Jesus, for a period of three years, he started preparing them for a ministry which was going to trans transform the world upside down. So as we read together, Jesus had been preaching by the left side and he had been using a number of parables to communicate kingdom principles to multitudes of people who had come. And earlier on in Mark chapter 4, there was a time when people from surrounding geographies, they brought their sick so that Jesus may heal them. And scripture records that people with diverse illnesses were healed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as evening came, Jesus went to his disciples and he announced to them that it's time to go to the other side. It's time to go to the other side. Let us go to the other side. You know, there are times when ministry is going very well. You, you see the sick are being healed, things are happening, the great teacher is teaching amazing truths about the kingdom. Humanly, you would like to say, Lord, this is the place. Just here, things are moving so well. But in the midst of such a testimony, so many wondrous things happening, Jesus told his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Beloved, I tend to think that in life, there are times when God will challenge us to move from our comfort zone for the purpose of his kingdom and his ministry. God will come to you as an individual child and God will tell you, I've got need for you. I want you to venture in this particular assignment. You have to move from the comfort zone and venture in a particular assignment. And as you do that, there could be challenges. There could be storms of life along the way, like we read earlier on. But in life, I think as God's children, we should be ready. We should be available as vessels whom our great God may count on.
that he can come to you, he can come to me and say, I want you to move from your comfort zone, I want you to go to the other side, this is the assignment. And we should with great eagerness and joy say, Lord, here I am, I'm available for the task. Another thing which really amazed me as I reflected upon the passage we've read is how balanced the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ was. Jesus, oftentimes, he will be ministering to multitudes and multitudes of people. Thousands like the sermon on the mount. There will be thousands of people to whom he will be ministering to. At other times, he will call his disciples so that he is alone just with his disciples. Not with multitudes, just with his disciples. And yet, at other times, he will withdraw even from his disciples. Jesus will be by himself. His ministry was amazingly balanced. He will be by himself and he will be in communion with his heavenly father. He will be praying. He will be conversing with his father who had sent him for a ministry of our redemption. And when we aspire for Christ-likeness, I think it's good as believers to have a balanced life. To know that there is a time when we should desire for corporate worship, corporate fellowship. And there should be a time when we should withdraw and be alone with our Heavenly Father. Be with Him. Look into His perfect law, His Word. Speak to Him in prayer. Communicate to Him how much we love Him. How much we appreciate His goodness upon us. You are just alone by yourself. There should be such a time. We should be using our time in such a balanced way where we just don't do our Christian life maybe when we are with others. But we balance it in such a way that when we are alone, we can find time to be with our God. And when there is a program at church, like we will be having the week of prayer and fasting, we say, Lord, when you are calling on others, do not pass me by. I want to be there. I want to pray with the people of God. We should balance our time like that. And God is pleased. So the, the, the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ was so well balanced. He could have time for multitudes, he would have time for his disciples, and he would have time for himself and his heavenly father. During that evening, when Jesus told his disciples, let's go over to the other side, we need to remember that Jesus, who appeared in human form, he was 100% God. When he said that, he knew exactly what was going to happen. His disciples had no idea. But Jesus, because he is God, he knew exactly. As they went across the lake to the other side, he knew the challenges which were going to confront them. He tells them, let's go over to the other side. Beloved, it's wonderful to know that the God in whom we have placed our trust he knows all things. He knows things past. He knows things present. And he knows things future. 
He knows all things. There is nothing which takes God by surprise. Nothing, absolutely nothing. God knows everything. And that's why you and I, we do so well to continually be committing ourselves to him. When we begin the day with our finite and limited knowledge and understanding, we do not know what's going to happen. It is vital that we entrust our moments, our time to him who knows all things. He knows all things. He knows everything which is going to happen in the coming moments, in the coming times. He knows everything because he is God. So when he announced to them, let's go over to the other side, he knew exactly what was going to happen as they went across the sea. But again, we can appreciate that the situation which was going to happen, which Jesus knew, was intended for the building of the faith of his disciples. We encounter diverse situations in our lives. And we can look at each situation as an opportunity in which God is building our faith in him. God does not want us to be self-sufficient. God wants us as his children to continually put our trust in him. And as we endure different situations, at times difficult situations, we need always to learn that I shall not look to the left nor to the right. My eyes will be fixed on you because you care for me, because you love me, because you have promised that I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I shall be with you to the close of the age. God wants us to trust him like a child trusts the parents. To entirely lean upon him. That is the anchor we have. It's an anchor which cannot be shaken. It's an anchor which cannot be moved. So as God presents different situations to us, they are intended to build our faith. The Apostle James in chapter 1, verse 2 to 4 makes this statement about the various testings we encounter. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Another point we need to observe on the lake as they went, the beginning of that passage said there were other boats on the lake. But when the wind starts blowing, the waves are hitting the boat, the narrative changes. The writer of this gospel singles out only one boat. We don't know what is happening to the other boats. But one boat is being hit by the waves of the sea. That boat was a unique boat. It was a distinct boat amongst many boats. Beloved, I would like to encourage you that you are not just a believer in the midst of millions of believers in this world. You are unique. You are specific in the eyes of our God. Each one of us. There is a uniqueness. There is a specific aspect about each one of us. 
like the pot was. And when God is counting on you, it's because of the unique grace God has bestowed upon you. God has bestowed upon each and every one of us who are born again Christians unique grace. And that's why we need to step forward, put our foot forward and say, Lord, I'm available for what you intend to use me based on what you have given me. There is a uniqueness about you. There is a uniqueness about each one of us. On that evening, Jesus had intended what I could call higher level lessons in faith for his disciples. You can never find a higher level lesson in the matters of faith than what they endured on the lake that evening. The master had intended it so. That they were going to go over to the other side. Things were going to happen along the way. And as Jesus went about ministry, he did so many things. Miraculous signs and uh, so many amazing things. They were all intended for the disciples to have ever increasing trust in him. That though he looked like a human being, he was God. The disciples were being given opportunity that as they spent more and more time with Jesus, their knowledge of him, their appreciation of him was shifting. That they will be appreciating him that yes, he looks like us, but he is God. And that's how Jesus was presenting various situations to them. The situation we have before us is one of such opportunities the Lord Jesus was giving his disciples. Really to show them that he is God. And with God, nothing is too hard. With God, nothing is impossible. And beloved, he has never changed. Our God is able to do more than we are able to ask or imagine. He is an amazing God. What we need to do on our part is to continually be trusting him more and more. We may not understand everything about God. But one thing we need to know is that he is the great I am. With him all things are possible. And Jesus, as he prepared his disciples, he was taking them through lessons of deepening faith in him. So that they would trust him more and more. Because the sweetest thing you and I can do is to trust in Jesus. That is the sweetest thing we can ever embrace. To trust in Jesus for every aspect of our lives. And to trust him that he is Lord over every situation of life. Every situation of life which you may encounter, which I may encounter, he is Lord over every situation of life. And when we talk about nature, everything which we have come to know about nature, the laws of nature, it is marvelous to know that they were all established by him. And because they were established by him, nature is responsive to his command. 
nature came into being by the voice of his command. The narrative of Genesis chapter 1 and part of chapter 2 about the creation, we see God putting things into place. Nature coming into being the way we know it. By the voice of his command, things came into being. The laws of nature, what we refer to as the laws of nature today, they came into being by his command. Let me cite just two. Today we have what we call the law of gravity. The law of gravity entails that whenever anything is thrown in the air, it has to come down to the ground because there is a force which pulls it down. And that's what we call gravitation force or the law of gravity. Now, because Jesus is the one who established the universe with all the laws of nature, he is able to command those laws. He is the author. He is the master. He is able to command and nature is able to listen to him. After Jesus had been resurrected from the dead and he was there in Jerusalem with his disciples, in Acts 1 and verse 9, we find that amazing account when Jesus lifted up and he started ascending, going back to heaven where he came from. That is an amazing event. It's amazing in the sense that the greatest person who does high jump or those who use pivot because they go to greater heights, once they jump, you can be assured that they will come down on the soft sand because of the law of gravity. Jesus on that day, because he came from heaven, he was going back to heaven, he needed no other fuel for him to defy the law of gravity. He was able to command gravity so that he, he, he rose, he ascended. The laws of nature are able to hearken to his command because he established them. There was the other time in Matthew chapter 14, verse 25 and 26, again in the evening time, Jesus rose and he started walking on the lake. You and I, there were some friends who went to Santhia last week. If any one of them dared to walk on Lake Bangweulu, you could be assured that they'll go down. Because there was one old scientist or engineer by the name of Akmit, one of the principles he devised is that when you put something on water and it displaces the liquid, if it is denser than the liquid, it has to sink and so on. And normally our bodies are able to sink. When you try to walk on water, you will sink. But because he's the Lord over the universe, he will command nature. And nature will be responsive. That is the Lord with whom we deal with. So on that evening, Jesus and his disciples were in the boat, crossing the lake, going to the other side. What we read is that the disciples, who were like you and me, they had fears, they had anxieties. You know, when you are on the water, 
even if you are a very good swimmer and your boat comes under distress, it's not a good situation. There will be panic. I think from time to time we listen to the news of some of the immigrants from Africa who are trying to seek good fortunes in Europe. They will go on those unofficial boats across the Mediterranean and uh, oftentimes those boats come under severe conditions and at times people perish. So when you are on vast waters, at times you'll be on the waters and you can't even see the land. And if anything happens to your boat, you really have no chance to survive. If you are a good swimmer, you can say you swim, but majority of our boat water bodies are riddled with crocodiles and other things. You can try to swim, but they will kill you. So when you are on waters and your, your boat comes under distressing conditions, it's a very difficult situation. That's why when the disciples experienced severe winds and the waves hitting the boat so violently such that it was almost swamped, scripture tells us that they became very, very worried, very scared. They became very worried and they went to the place where Jesus was. Again, it's so amazing. The Bible tells us that he was resting on a cushion in the skin of the boat behind. That's where Jesus was. The disciples went there and what they said was some kind of accusation of the master. They said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? They were accusing him. It's like you appear to be so comfortable. You are the only one in the boat. In the midst of such, such turbulence, you are the only one who seems to be, how dare you rest on a cushion? When all of us are about, how dare you do that? The disciples were accusing him. How often we accuse each other. If you look to be very calm in the midst of uh, distressing situations, people will say, what kind of person are you? The situations are tough. Can't you join us to deal with the situation at hand? Jesus was resting. So they went to him with an accusation. Teacher, don't you, dare, don't you care that if we drown? Beloved, that evening, the disciples were, were in for a big lesson. That evening, they were going to discover that Jesus is more than a great teacher. Jesus is Lord over the universe. He's Lord of all. That evening, their disciples were going to learn a lesson they were to remember as long as they lived. They called him teacher, but he's more than a great teacher. Now, what Jesus did, Jesus did something again very amazing. You and I, if someone came and accused you that, don't you care about the situation? Our natural reaction as human beings is to engage that person in a conversation. Why are you accusing me? And so on. Don't you know that also I'm, I'm doing something? We we'll try to engage in a situation of discussion and so on. Jesus is completely different. And as we aspire for Christ-likeness, I think it's a wonderful lesson for all of us as children of God. That 
There are times when we can waste a lot of breath, maybe just accusing each other, and we don't address the situation. Jesus, instead of turning to the accusation of his disciples, Jesus addressed the situation at hand in a most amazing way. He addressed the situation at hand. Jesus spoke. He got up, according to Mark 4 and verse 39, he got up, he rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. You recall, beloved, I did say that Jesus is the one who ordered, established the universe, nature as we know it. So nature is able to respond to his voice. Nature remembers the voice which put it into being. So when Jesus woke from where he was sleeping, and when Jesus spoke with that voice of authority, when he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, quiet, be still, scripture tells us that within an instant it was completely calm. Within an instant it was completely calm. And you know, again, what amazed me from the passage is that if you were to measure the levels of fear at the time when the, the waves were hitting the boat and at the time when Jesus commanded the waves and the wind and it became completely calm, if now you are to measure the degree of fear of the disciples, from what I read in the passage, the disciples were even more fearful when the sea was calm. Which is amazing. They were so fearful when their boat was under distress and they went to him, teacher, don't you care that we drown? Now when he spoke, he says, quiet, peace be still. And it was completely calm. Scripture tells us that they became even more fearful. It's like now, they started turning to each other and they said, who is this? One would have believed that they knew it was Jesus. They had been with him for a period of time. They had been hearing him perform many miracles, do amazing teachings. On that evening, when the sea was completely calm, it's like they were more terrified. The disciples were more terrified. And they asked the question, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Beloved, he is the master of the universe. He is the one who ordered creation. He is able to command creation. He is able to command nature. And nature will respond. Because nature remembers that it is the voice which put it into being. We recently have been studying from the Gospel of John. John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, speaks about the word which brought creation into being. And that word which commanded creation into being is the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that evening, Jesus was able to speak to, to, to nature. He was able to say, quiet, be still. And within an instant, everything was completely calm. 
and the disciples were extremely scared. What was Jesus trying to do to them? Jesus was trying to show them he looked like a human being, but he was God. He was the ruler of the universe. According to Paul's statement to the Colossians in chapter 1, in him all things hold together. All things. There is nothing which is beyond his reach. In him all things hold together. That evening, the disciples were amazed because they saw Jesus at the voice of his command, it became completely calm and they became very scared. And now Jesus picked the moment. Remember, when they went accusing him, teacher, don't you care that we die? Jesus did not start a conversation with them. Jesus addressed the situation at hand. Now when everything was calm, and they asked the question, who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Jesus was now telling them that, beloveds, over the period of time I've been with you, you have been on a course of faith. I've been training you on the matters of faith. And Jesus tells them in verse 40, do you still have no faith? Do you still have no faith? I wonder, my dear friend, when you encounter different situations in your life, I wonder where you tend to, where I tend to. Do we believe that in any situation, Jesus remains Lord? Do we believe that we can tend to him regardless of the situation? Or at times, do we tend to other things? The question Jesus asked his disciples, do you still have no faith? At times that question will be asked to someone who has been in the faith for a long time. You know, once you have been a believer, a child of God for a long time, it is expected of you and me that our faith in Jesus will be an ever-increasing faith. So at a certain stage, the Lord Jesus may come to you and say, do you still have no faith? I expected this measure of faith from you. That's what he was asking his disciples. Do you still have no faith? Jesus remembered that when he picked them, they truly had no faith. But with the benefit they've had, moving with him, it was expected that they will have faith in him. But when the testing situation came, they exhibited no faith. They thought they were going to die. Beloved, you cannot die when you are in the midst of the author of life. You cannot die. And he tells them, I am on board with you. I am the author and the sustainer of life. How do you think you can die? Do you still have no faith? I am God who has come into this world to offer you life everlasting. Do you still have no faith? Do you still have no faith? So the disciples had a very powerful lesson to reflect on that evening. And I'm sure as the disciples looked back, they were able to see many situations which Jesus took them through. They were all intended to increase their faith in him. Some of them up to the very end, they had very questionable faith. Like Thomas. 
we do know that his faith was very questionable. And it can be true of us as God's children. We have been saved for many years, but our faith remains at a very low level. The Lord is making an appeal to you and me. Take your faith to a higher level. Trust me more and more. I am your God. I am your Redeemer. I am your anchor. You can rely upon me. You can lean upon me. God wants our faith in him to be an ever-increasing faith as we go through various situations. We need to know that he is the Lord of the universe and he is the Lord of our lives. He is the one who commanded Lazarus, after he had been in the grave for four days, to come back to life. All those lessons the Lord was presenting to his disciples. And the disciples who asked, who is this? Who is this? After he had fed 5,000 men using two fishes and five loaves, the question is, who is this? How can he feed so many people from two fishes and five loaves? He is the Lord of the universe. Who is this? Who says, I will die? And surely he died. And on the third day, he rose back to life. Who is this? He is the author of life. Death could not hold him any longer. Because he is life himself. Who is this? He is the author of life. Who is this? When he prays in the garden of Gethsemane, there is blood like sweat dropping from his brow. He is the Lord, our Redeemer. He is Jesus Christ. The hymn writer just crowns it all. When he says, it is the Lord, oh wondrous story. It is the Lord, the King of glory. Crown him, crown him, Lord of all. May that be our portion. As we get amazed by this amazing Redeemer we have, Jesus Christ. Just to say, crown him, crown him, Lord of all. We tell our heart, my heart, crown him, crown him, Lord of all. He is the Lord of the universe. He is the Lord of each one of our lives. And the question the Lord will ask you is this. Where is your faith? Do you still have no faith in me that I am your great redeemer, your great reward? I'll be with you in all situations. So there is a certainty that in Jesus we have an amazing anchor. And we have no cause to fear, like the disciples feared. We have no cause to fear because in him, your life and mine stand secure. I trust that the Lord himself will bless his word to our hearing as we continue on the path of Christ-likeness, that the aspect of our faith in him, it will be forever increasing. Jesus trusted his heavenly father as he went about ministry from beginning to end. 
He trusted his heavenly father until it was all done. And God is expecting each one of us as his children as we are taken through the school of faith via the various experiences the Lord gives us that our faith in him will forever be increasing so that we will trust him that he is Lord of all, is Lord over the universe. May God bless his words to our hearts. Amen.